Welcome to PTBC Podcast, where we will be speaking about innovation, technology, growing your business, and maximizing your entrepreneurial potential. Let's get down to business. Hey everyone, welcome to the PTBC Podcast, where we're going to be talking with physios, with clinic owners, and entrepreneurs about topics like innovation and pretty much anything business related to our practice, to the physiotherapy practice. This is Sarush here, and I'm joined by my esteemed colleague and friend Slava. Hey everyone. So today we have a very special guest. We're joined by physiotherapist, clinic owner, entrepreneur, and athlete, Kyle Whaley. And Kyle is the owner of a beautiful physiotherapy clinic in Etobicoke. This is one of the leading treatment centers in the GTA for catastrophic neuro injuries as well as complex orthopedic injuries. Uh, in addition to all the neuro and the orthopedic rehab that they provide, they have a bunch of specialized services like concussion rehab, uh, vestibular rehab, workplace rehab, hydrotherapy, mindfulness, even in-home and in-community therapy. To get a full list of all their services and to learn about the wonderful staff at Propel, uh, visit their website at www.propelphysiotherapy.com. All right, it's time to get down to business. So, Kyle, how are you doing today? Good, Sarush. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for joining us. I really appreciate it. Um, We're excited to uh, have this episode with you. Uh, So, as a start, maybe you could tell us about your interesting journey that you've had um, over the years that kind of, you know, maybe from graduation, where you graduated from, as well as all the way to owning Propel Physio. Sure. Uh, I graduated from U of T in 2002. Thank you. Go Blues. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You know, when I graduated, I I was fortunate enough to get a position in uh, spinal rehab at Lyndhurst, Mm -hmm. uh, which was a passion of mine and continues to be a passion of mine. Uh, I spent a couple of years there at Lyndhurst and Spinal Rehab and took the opportunity to travel overseas. So I did my credentialing in New Zealand, uh, went overseas and worked in New Zealand. I traveled for a year and then spent some time working in New Zealand for three or four months. I came back to Lyndhurst for about another year, year and a bit, Uh, met my current wife who's a physio as well, Kathy Molesky, and we took off for another year uh, and and worked overseas, this time uh, Australia. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Still focusing mainly on neurological stuff. It's always been my passion. And it, we moved back, so three or four years after I graduated, we ended up back um, back in Canada, and I, and I was up in Barrie for about a year and a half in uh, orthopedics, working for a... Uh, a mentor of mine, Doug Freer. We just came back, picked up the phone book, and uh, said we want to live up north. Mm-hmm. We both like the outdoors and being active. And called Doug's clinic, and they said we're looking for two people. We spent about a year and a half there. Had an incredible experience. Got some great skills, and and came back to the city in 2008, and started working for. Uh, my former business partners, David Frake and Lorraine Speckens, who run a wonderful uh, neurological clinic called Balance Physiotherapy. I worked with them. I worked for them, excuse me, for about three years. And then the three of us went into business and opened uh, what was Balance Physiotherapy West in um, 2000, late 2010, early 2011. Mm-hmm. Okay. That was the beginnings of Propel Physiotherapy, and I, I bought them out a couple of years ago, and we rebranded, and we're now called Propel. Okay, interesting. So yeah. that's a bit of a, it's a different than someone who kind of wants to start up their own clinic, right? So how did kind of the costs and everything, how did you guys become partners, and how did you join to create that clinic, and um, how did how did you buy them out? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, process? sure. You know, I, 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 I've mentioned this before. The way I looked, I always knew I wanted to run my own business. And I looked at it as, um, I'm not going to reinvent the wheel. They were doing some really neat stuff. And so I thought I'd join forces with them. I thought I had something to add that could help make their product and our business better. And collectively, we would work better together. And, and it's a bit abstract, but they were like, for me, business was like waves. If you're surfing, there's lots of waves coming by. You get opportunities to jump on different waves, and I just waited for what turned out to be the right wave for me. 
Um, in our startup costs, we started really low key from the ground up. We had, uh, we had, we invested 15K each, so 45K on 12, 1300 square feet uh, just off the 427 at Eva Road where we still currently are and, and just built it organically from there. It was me and, uh, you know, working sun up till sundown until we needed someone else and I brought a kin kinesiology grad on who was moonlighting doing some exercise based work and then also some administrative stuff and it we just honestly just the business just grew from there doubled every year for probably four or five years it's amazing yeah. and kyle um throughout that journey when you started working alone and then you were able to expand how were you able to acquire the clients um, and the patients in order to be able to grow to the place that you are now? You know, that's a good question. So it, my partners were well established in the kind of neurological industry. A good chunk of that was working with people uh, after a motor vehicle accident. And, and it's quite connected and the referral sources are, there's an excellent group of referral sources and I, I, I piggybacked off that. Yeah. So starting my own thing, I, I, you know, I just, I working for them as a physiotherapist, I'd end up meeting, um, you know, case managers and occupational therapists and some of the lawyers we work with and other colleagues within the business. And as, as you know, a lot of businesses have their relationships and, you know, I, I certainly enjoy, um, meeting new people and fostering new relationships and and that's essentially how it grew and it's about trust we talked about this uh, kind of just before if people trust you and you're doing good work they're going to send people your way and um in terms of adding to those relationships uh how were you able to market uh your services uh supplemented by these relationships well, and part of it, they always say, you know, word of mouth is not marketing. And it's right, it's not active marketing. <clears throat> but I think we were fortunate enough that we were providing such a good service that word of mouth took off. And on top of that, um, <clears throat> uh, as is important in any business, you constantly need to be evolving. There's been changes to um, the motor vehicle accident legislation recently that have you know, cut the funding pools and the access to money and, and, and clients access to money and certainly our, their access to our treatment. And so, um, we, we, we just, we expanded and looked into different areas. So we realized we had lots of different skills and how, what, what areas could we market those to? And so something we started uh, the last couple of years is, is more of a corporate wellness. Um, back in the eighties, uh, in, in 90s, certainly 90s when I was in my undergrad, corporate wellness was a, re was a really big thing. I'm a phys ed grad from Queens and it kind of tapered off, certainly around some of the economic downturns in the 2000s, but there's been, uh, there's been a reinvestment of companies into their employees and part of that is taking care of them. So taking care of their health and health and a lot of preventative stuff. And so we, um, you know, we went and pitched to a couple of different companies and, um, and and we're still working on growing up but we provide in-house wellness at, at uh, one company in particular and, and it's gone incredibly well so diversifying you know a lot of it was banging on doors it's it's literally cold calling we have some doctors we have great relationships with but uh, we don't rely on anyone in particular and that's also is really important to we want to minimize and spread our risk some, yeah, something goes wrong, we don't want it to go. So uh, it's, it's actually really interesting that you mentioned the multiple ways to market, kind of increase that safety net for you too, right? So you don't have to rely on one person. Um, just want to actually probe about the, the doctors, because I know that's one of the common ways that individuals can market themselves. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how you build these relationships with physicians and surgeons and physiatrists and how someone can 
go about that if they're starting up or if they have a clinic already? Sure. So in, in our particular case, what we do is um, the referral may not come from the physician, but the physicians uh, on some of these motor vehicle accident files and physiatrists that may be involved, what we do is there's lots of opportunity to meet and chat with them and collaborate with them, whether it's a team meeting or an industry function. And to me, it's really important to get um, get some face time with them. So we sit, we talk to them. And again, it's a relationship sort of about trust. So if they meet you and you're a likable person, they're, you know, and you're, you believe in what you're doing, that's going to carry over. And that's really our value added. On top of that, um, so if we're not, sometimes we market, we'll go directly and we'll do a lunch and learn or just a, and we'll bring coffees to a, a group of physicians in the area with some, you know, some of our postcards that may have uh, complimentary 15 minute consultations that we do over the phone. We'll just say, hey, this is what we do and here we are. Uh, here's where we are and we'll do that a couple of times and all we need is one or two. And when you get one or two clients, what we do is we've got a system in place to do a, you know, a sign back to the doctor. Everybody that comes from a physician, um, that whether it's a direct referral or there's a physician on that file, we make sure we create a short report, whether it's initial assessment progress, and we, um, you know, we send it directly to the, the doctor, the physician, and just say, thank you so much, and here's how your client's doing. And people really appreciate that because people go see their doctor relatively infrequently, but people see their physio all the time. Yeah. So we, we kind of want to be their ears on the ground, and they appreciate that. Yeah, that's true. Very true. Reporting back to them, kind of keeping that connection alive, yeah. too, and I'm sure they'll appreciate it, too. Um, you actually spoke about systems, and that kind of set off an alarm in my head. <laughs> um, so I kind of wanted to ask you what kind of systems that you have in place right now in your business, in your practice, having Propel Physio, that has helped you successfully run this business? So we've got a number of different systems. We've got some that we're developing. We've got some that we're adjusting and changing. I, I try and run the business. I don't run it top down. We're kind of, we're all on the, a very similar level. With that said, I have an office manager and I have a clinic manager. Um, some of the systems we have in place are, are run through them. So we, you know, we've got metrics that we track and we try and keep track. Um, we keep an eye on those. Some are a weekly basis, some are a monthly basis. Some of the systems in place, um, everybody that comes, and these are a little bit more on the softer skill side, but everyone who comes for a new assessment of Propel gets a gift bag. It's got some swag in it, and it's really important. It the takeaway, we give them a mug, and or a t-shirt, and or a water bottle, and a 15-minute complimentary consultation to give to a friend or colleague. So it's, you know, an old hockey coach mindset. It's like you're making deposits in the bank, and those are like deposits, and they'll pay dividends later on. And it's worked really well for us. Another system that we use, it's about the client experience. That's a really important thing for us. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily a tracking system, but every single person that comes into the clinic gets a, hi, how are you doing? How's your family? Can I get you a coffee or a tea? We take notes. And uh, so my front office staff, it's, it, and I took this from great dentists. You go into a good dental office. How often do you see the dentist? Once or twice a year. How do you think they remember every single thing about you? Saroosh, hey man, oh my God, how's your, last time I saw you doing this, this, and this? Because they all take notes. So our front office staff take notes on our client. On our clients, they're kept in a secure location. And we use those to help prompt the next visit. Well, we got to be careful not to slip anything at the yeah, front, <laughs> front desk of your clinic then. <laughs> um, yeah, that's awesome. Um, you mentioned some of the things that you're tracking. Um, you know that there's been a movement around key performance indicators these days and that uh, we want to make sure that the office tracks certain uh, performance metrics of their physios specifically as well as maybe of their administrative staff. Do you have any specific systems in place at Propel right now? We do. So, you know, it, it our marketing funnel ultimately leads to, you know, the phone ringing. So people pick up the phone and call and want to book an appointment. 
So we track our phone calls, the inquiries, we track our conversion rate of those phone calls in the initial assessments. And after the initial assessment, we're gonna track um, using the average patient visit. Um, there's lots of buzz about, um, lately certainly about, uh, you know, people self-discharging after two or three visits, and that's not uncommon. It's a little bit more in our orthopedic side of practice. Um, so we're trying to track self-discharges, and we've got a system in place where we follow up everybody who hasn't come back. Um, yeah, we track how, how many clients, you know, certainly all of our therapists' caseload. How are they doing? Um, we track our utilization rate. So the clinic, um, there's times when it's busy, there's times when it's not. How do we adjust um, certainly our message and our marketing to make sure that we've got, um, you know, we've got our treatment rooms that are full at, at a balanced approach. So most of the time, they're not empty in the morning, busy in the middle of the day and empty in the evening. Yeah, you definitely want to find that balance to keep your physios busy as well. Oh, making sure that everybody's on sure, board. sure. And another great one we use, and, and, and this is, you know, there's been lots in the literature on uh, net promoter score. So, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. So the net promoter score is, um, you know, I'm pretty sure it comes out of marketing literature, but, um, you know, it's essentially. It's a it's a short survey you give clients, and it's a zero to ten scale, and and it's how likely are you to refer, um, you know, a friend or a colleague after your experience here, and so the the evidence suggests that um, nines and tens are are your active promoters, so people that rank you at nine or ten are actively going to promote for you. Um, and I'm going to misquote it, but your sevens and eights are neutral, so they're not going to pump your tires or kind of diss you. And below seven are people that are, are, are there's a likelihood that they're going to actively, um, you know, not promote or, or certainly um, suggest people don't go to your clinic. So we want to make sure that our net promoter score is consistently high. Um, and that reflects the kind of client experience, which is incredibly important to us. Very interesting. Um, I actually want to switch gears just a little bit uh, in terms of the business side of things. So all, all these things, that, the key metrics, you know, the net promoter score, um, the way you've implemented systems, all these different things that you have in your clinic, have you used any external advisors throughout the way, or is this something that you've picked up and you did research on your own? That's a good question. So, yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've attended business, lots of business seminars, one-off hour webinars, conferences over the years. Um, the access to that information now uh, is, is just totally different than it was 10, 15 years ago. There's some excellent areas to get the information, the CPA being one of them, they got a private practice division that puts out excellent newsletters and educational information for business owners. <clears throat> um, some of it is, uh, yeah, yeah, you just, you, you pick up along the way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, you know, I pull, I try and pull stuff from other businesses and colleagues and friends that do different businesses. And I, I don't want to run our clinic like every other physiotherapy clinic. We don't. We're, we're very different, providing a, a you know a different style of business and certainly a different business model. But I've got colleagues that run fitness businesses. I've got some that run restaurants, and um, you know I make sure I meet with them regularly and we we just talk about business in general. And I get some great tips from them. We've and I've got I've I have a marketing uh, you know I've got a marketing point person that we work with and a whole host of other people that subcontract work to. Just a couple of follow-ups on that. Sure. Um, you, uh, you mentioned that uh, you have a different business model than you would say the typical average physio clinic. Um, can you tell us a little bit about this business model and how that's different from what you would see generally? Sure. You know, what we do is it, it um, and this isn't taking anything away from any other uh, physio practice or how they run it. But we tend to f 
focus and I, I put a lot of time and effort into empowering our therapists. So running it like it's their own business, giving them lots of opportunity to, you know, in, in the true style of an independent contractor, control their own schedules, fill their own schedules, run with their own marketing ideas. You know, to me, the way I look at it, I'm, I'm, I'm a small piece of, of the whole puzzle. And my goal was to build something that plays off other people's strengths. To facilitate exactly. what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not, I, I, to come back to, I don't run it top down. There's absolutely no way. You know, I, I come in when I need to and adjust things slightly, but I tr prefer to take a step back and, yeah. and provide the opportunity for people to succeed and shine and the therapist. And I let them, you know, we therapists that run it like it's their own business or organize and, and do that well are incredibly successful. And they get that sense of accountability, right? If it's just their own thing, then they're going to want to probably do it more, put a bit more effort into it. Exactly what it's like. And I'm happy to compensate them for that. Okay. That's awesome. It's amazing. Um, my other question was just how to create a business model. So what are, how did you kind of come up with your business model? What are some things you thought of before you created a business model? Yeah, that's a good question. And creating a business model, would, that, that's also a bit abstract. I, you know, I just, it, you shouldn't, a lot of people will tell you don't run a business on feel, you know, run it on numbers. And I certainly keep an eye on numbers and certain metrics. But I'm also, rec I recognize uh, the limitations of some of my skill in that area. I've learned a ton over the last handful of years that I've been running this business. Um, but yeah, just, um, just, just running it, allowing people to really grow and, um, sorry, Sarush, you're going to kill me. What was the question again? Uh, it was how to create a business model. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I think I, I, you just really, there's a gut instinct to certain things. You know, you don't want to, you want, you've got to be comfortable at the end of the day with the decisions you make when you're, when you're running the business. And sometimes you have to make uncomfortable decisions and depending on what you're like, do you, do you want to fill your day full of uncomfortable positions or do you want to set something, you know, up that allows people to make those decisions for you? I know I'm being a little bit vague, but again, I don't run it top down. I give an opportunity and a, and a playing field for people to just flourish and run with it. So, you know, I looked at the traditional orthopedic model where that I worked in and you were an employee and they kind of filled your schedule in 15, 20 minute sessions. And I thought, I didn't, I didn't love that. I didn't love that as a clinician. I mean, I come home at the end of the day and I was really tired. I was bagged. I'm like, oh man, I don't know if I can do that. And so there weren't a lot of neuro clinics in the GTA. There still aren't. You know, and, I, and that's kind of the opportunity that I saw. You know, I was working with some colleagues that, that did really cool stuff. And I thought I could do it slightly different and potentially better. Um, speaking about how you run your business, you say that you would like to empower your uh, physiotherapists and your administrative staff as well. How do you select those type of people that want to embrace a bigger role and really be more accountable for the business than a, a regular employed physiotherapist would under a more um, controlling uh, employer? That's a that's a good question, and it's a it's a challenge. It's always a challenge. I mean. We always keep our eye out for people that are thinking outside the box and, and ahead of the game. You know, certainly working where we are propelled, you know, just wanting to do the bare minimum and show up. And I mean, that's tough at any place of business, but certainly ours as an independent contractor, you're just not going to last long. So we're looking for people that are trying to do things differently, that are independent, they're organized. Um, how do I actively find them? I mean, I've been super fortunate over the years. I, I help down, I help out down here at U of T 
in a number of different, in the mainstream MSCPT program and some of the neuro labs and the business section and the bridging program. And that also provides me an opportunity to, you know, meet guys like you guys that are doing cool stuff and different things. And that's a great opportunity coming back to the relationships, establishing relationships. And uh, I don't want to minimize people's skills, but everybody graduates at a relatively similar skill level with respect to your hands-on skills. And, and that, uh, you know, that's the control for us. For What's going to take you above and put you beyond the rest are your softer skills and your communication skills and your ability to develop, uh, you know, a strong therapeutic alliance. And that's what we're looking for. Do I have something in an interview that screens for that? No, definitely not. Have you ever had any surprises with the physiotherapists that you hire? Anybody who really uh, went above and beyond your expectations when you first saw them? You know, I, I guess I, I have a, most of my therapists go that, you know, certainly that I work with go above and beyond. So I wouldn't describe them as surprises. Um, as I got to know them through the interview process and early on working, it's I'm I'm more surprised at how they continue to grow. If that's the case. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't bring somebody on that I didn't think was going to knock it out of the park. If that makes any sense. And what surprises me is how kind of motivated and hungry people are. And, and that's what I love. I mean, my, my goal is my best day is walking into the clinic when it's really busy. Everybody's doing their thing and just looking around. That puts a massive smile on my face. Everybody's enjoying what they're doing. And the clients, it, there's, a, there's, a, there's a buzz about that. There's something immeasurable that you can't, you just, mm -hmm. you can't quantify there's that awesome feeling as an entrepreneur that you've really created something with your hands, with your mind, right? And able to put it out into the world. Very and true. It's a lot of enjoyment. Yeah, yeah, very true. It's You want to bottle that and save it. <laughs> but it's hard. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. I mean, it's, it's really good to kind of hear that we've had the similar kind of trend of people the way they're running their successful businesses, you know, the lack of a top-down approach and such. Um, we've, we've had an opportunity to learn about the individual, the guests that we've had on the show. And one thing we've uh, learned about with uh, some of the people is they've kind of developed some habits over the years. And we kind of wanted to get an understanding of what kind of habits Good or bad, maybe some you dropped and some that were good that have helped you <laughs> <laughs> over the years to um, help you run this business successfully and kind of had a really important impact on your uh, entrepreneurship, on your business, and on your practice. That's great. Yeah, we'll we'll maybe save the really bad ones for off air. <laughs> no, you know, I um, there's a lots of reading literature on this healthy habits of successful people. Um, I try, I, I do what works for me and, and it's important, I would never sell this on anyone else, but for me I, I make sure I have, uh, I try and have a balance in my life and that includes everything, that includes, you know, most important, most importantly it's my family. So my wife and I got two awesome boys, Finn and Owen, that are six and nine and so you know, you, you've got to pick and choose a lot of things. You, I find as the business grows, your your time just becomes really precious and you have to be mindful to use that in an incredibly um, efficient way. So I work my work schedule around my family. So first and foremost, for me, I my mornings, I drop my kids off at school four out of five mornings a week at nine o'clock and people are like, what are you crazy? You, know, <laughs> you hear some of these super type A people that get up at four in the morning and do all their work before them. You know, I, I, I would love to do that, but I stay up a bit late. So me getting up at four is going to, you know, make for a pretty ugly dad at uh, 637 <laughs> when my guys are up. 
so I, I balance, I make sure I, uh, I balance my time with my kids and my wife. Uh, it's super cliche, but you know, we, uh, once every two weeks we've got a date night. So we got a babysitter, a teenage guy on speed dial who lives down the road. He comes over, I'd say almost once a week. That's really important to us. You know, it's, <clears throat> it's important to work hard, but it's also important to work smart. You know, I spend a healthy amount of time with, I got a great group of friends, guys, couples, and families. I spend lots of time with them. Uh, I spend time watching sport. Um, I make sure I balance out. I spend time, I volunteer. So I do some volunteering, whether it's down here at U of T, um, volunteering. We've got community events and stuff. And I also like to travel. Yeah. And and staying healthy, I feel terrible. So physical activity is obviously incredibly important, and that I try and squeeze that in there somewhere as well. That's amazing. On a personal level, it seems like you have your stuff together and uh, really set your priorities, <laughs> right? Um, on a business level, in terms of habits, you mentioned delegation was a really big uh, part of your operations. Um, how did you develop that skill of delegation? Because a lot of people find it difficult. They want to do everything themselves to make sure it's done right, but you seem to be uh, empowering the people and trusting the people to do a great job. That's a great question. You know, the way I look at it, um, I had to do quite a bit of introspection and look at myself and realize I'm not good at everything. And there's actually a lot of things I'm really not good at, and that's okay. You know, in early the early days of the business, I was trying to do everything. I was doing a little bit of everything and not doing it well. Um, and after I looked at myself and kind of took stock of what am I good at and what aren't I good at, you, you just I started building from there. So, you know, social media, we, we've got a relatively we're growing social media presence. I'm not going to spearhead that. It's just, I'm not really good at that and I need to recognize that. And I'm also, it, it took some time, but once you, I found it quite empowering. I know a lot of people struggle with it, but, but letting go of that control to me, again, uh, I work backwards. So I want to set up my life and then build the business around to be able to support the lifestyle that I want to have. So when I go away, I don't, I'm not calling in all the time because I put people in place that I trust that have skills that I don't have to cover the areas that I may or may not be worried about. Sounds like you're following the principle of hire people who are smarter than you, not people dumber than you. Very true. And listen, right. I, got, I got a lot of great business advice along the way yeah. and, and it's and it came from very successful people not in the field at all of physiotherapy and the main theme was you want to put yourself out of a job and I know it's it sounds counterintuitive and if but if you can get your head around that you know that's is it's a very weird feeling to have a business running that's kind of separate from you and that may not rely on you but that's important and and hey that's just the way I chose to do it you may want to choose to run your business and build it around you and your name and everything you're doing that's fine but you know to me at the end of the day when I if I take two three four five weeks off and whatever I do and I want to do with my family or friends or alone I don't want the business to tank because I'm not there. And yeah, I mean, who wants to do that? For me, it was like, I don't have a problem letting go. The, the control thing wasn't a massive thing for me to overcome. And yeah, I mean, when you say that you don't want things to fall apart, I think it goes back to all the systems that you've kind of put in place over the years, right? And now it's kind of become foolproof and it's going to, become sustainable it's con you're constantly evolving it and let me tell you these systems weren't always in place and there's systems that aren't in place that need to be in place you, you can't do everything at once and you learn because you learn you think you've got everything taken care of and something happens and you know all the cards fall and you go okay pick back up again 
And you, to me, it's if you can learn from every single hiccup and you listen to people who've done it before. You're not, I'm not here to, like I said, reinvent the wheel. I'm here to just make it roll a little better. <laughs> um, in terms of your advice for uh, people who are going to be in similar shoes as to you, um, it seems like a lot of physiotherapists have this concept in their mind that they're going to open up a clinic and work really hard for themselves and then gradually transition out of it, which seems like what you have done over the years as well. Uh, if you were to go back to that moment where you had to transition from being a clinician to more of a business owner, what would you advise to people to speed that process up or to make it a little bit smoother? Hmm, that's a good question. Talk to people who've done it. Yeah, I tend to... I just is I'm a little bullheaded and thick-headed, and I'm happy to kind of plow through it and blunder the way I do it because I'm 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 just I'm mindful of advice. I you know I listen to a lot of people, but if you have to be careful of doing exactly what someone else does because under different excuse me circumstances it might not work for you. Talk to people who've done it. And, and I, I'm, I'm doing it right now. I talked to a colleague of ours, you know, about a year and a half ago, who was in the business. I said to her, I said, my goodness, like, you know, I, I literally wrote myself out of the job. Like, I'm, 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 I got a really small caseload. I feel like I'm losing my skills. And you know what she said to me? She's been out of the hands-on work for five years, and she said, I left it too long. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I can't get back into it. And if I were to do it again, I wouldn't leave it that long, and I would always keep my hands in on it. And, you know, it's funny. She said that to me, and it, it, it just really rang true. I was feeling a sense of there, there was a lack of there was a lack of fulfillment. I got into the profession because I like to work with people. I like to put my hands on people. I never, ever let my caseload go, but it, it, it got to a point where it wasn't... I wasn't uh, growing as a clinician, you know, and I, or challenged, excuse me, and I feel like I always need to be challenged as a clinician. And I'm, you know, I guess I'm really fortunate that I can take that dial and I can turn it up a bit and we're, you know, we're hoping to expand uh, the East End shortly and so I've taken that dial and turned it up again and I got my, got my hands dirty again. And it feels good, it feels great, you know. Yeah, you got to do what makes you happy, right? So yeah, it's great yeah. that you found that balance that really works for you. For sure. And, you know, I also think you've got it, and this is maybe a little bit a little bit vague, but I think as a leader, you're, the people that work with you have to know that you can relate to them. So if you can't get your hands dirty, and, and this is I'm obviously, you know, speaking metaphorically, but if you can't get in and treat clients and you're mentoring those therapists, uh, there, there's a bit of a, I think there's a bit of a disconnect there. Yeah, that's right. But you've done a great job in terms of uh, sustaining all those commitments. It's a, it's a work in progress. Yeah, <laughs> man. It's a lot of work. You find that clinicians usually or sometimes get stuck with that question of whether do I want to now go head first into the business side of things or do I want to kind of go towards sticking to the clinical side of things because by the way kind of you made a sound is sometimes you might have to make one sacrifice to focus your energy on another but you found a good balance so um, what would you recommend to someone kind of stuck in that position now ready to expand ready to kind of grow but now they need to kind of take charge well you want to know get an idea of where you're going so those are your those are your goals. You should have business goals and life goals, and again, work backwards from those. If you've set up your business such that you've got to make every single decision, <clears throat> be there all the time, um, and you your goal is to take six months off and travel around Asia, then that's not going to happen. If you set up your business such that um, you eat what you kill, so to speak, so your paycheck is dependent on the hours that you do direct hands-on clinical work, and you want to go and spend six months traveling around Asia, that's going to be a problem. Um, 
yeah, take stock of the situation where your business get a, you know, get a good, these are very general recommendations, but get a good bookkeeper and get a good accountant. You need to look at profit and loss sheets, P&Ls every month and make sure the business is growing. Um, and you're on schedule to achieve all the goals you want to achieve. Awesome. So while we're on kind of giving advice to some <laughs> to the listeners, uh, maybe could you touch upon how to build capital for someone who's looking to start to invest in a clinic or invest in their own space for business or uh, further uh, physio practice? How would you build capital? I think we you know we've had some discussion before uh, you and I regarding like you know bank loans or personal uh, capital, etc. So yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and the way I did it, this is, this is eight years ago now. It was, the landscape was a lot different than certainly the economic landscape and money was a premium to borrow. I think I, I, I'm sure I told you guys a story, you know, I couldn't, we just bought our house. uh, We had no equity in the house, so I couldn't borrow against the house at a decent interest rate. Um, I, you know, and I went, I wouldn't recommend this. I went and maxed out a low interest rate credit card at 15k um you if you've gone the business plan route and got something planned out you just need to figure out how much you need to get off the ground now building capital is a you know you might have to go work somewhere else and work your butt off and put money away and what i would suggest um, you know, capital, the investment is part of it. Um, it. It's more your idea. If you've, you know, find your niche, find what you're good at and what you think you can good at and what you think you can be good at. And you only get that. I don't want to say you only get that, but I got that from working from other people. I can't stress that enough. I watched their systems. I watched what they had in place and didn't have in place. You know, and I, the whole time I was working, I was crafting my idea of how my business would run, you know, and you and, and you get an idea of what you need for a startup cost. You know, do you want to, are, are you going to get, are you going to drop a two, 300 K or try and raise that kind of money and get a great big space full of really expensive equipment? Or are you going to, uh, you know, are you going to rent in a room in an existing clinic? And do something that's niche that nobody in that area does, but complements what the business is doing already there. You know, there's a lot of partnerships going on, some of them structured, some unstructured in in our industry. And, you know, I think that's the way to go. I really think that's the way to go. As far as your equity goes, you know, get in at a low cost. Get in at low risk. Because, you know, you can put a lot of money on the line and you can lose it really quick. And you mentioned partnerships. And that's a discussion I've had with plenty of people. And I think that's, I personally think that's, that's an important talk that, or conversation that people need to have. Um, just kind of picking the right partner, how your values should align. So when you essentially partnered up with the individuals, uh, previously at Balance uh, before you took over to make it propel. What were some of the things or thoughts going through your head? What were some things you were looking for in the individuals that you felt would make good business partners? And what were some things that you wanted to have in future business partners? So reflecting on, uh, on starting Balance West, it was really... I was relatively risk averse at the time and I didn't have the capital to start. And again, I, I, this was a market that they had done well in um, and they were doing very well in and I thought I could help uh, improve it and make it better. Um, but speaking uh, in more general terms, listen, your, your partners, it's like a marriage. It's just like a marriage. And if you want to make sure that you complement each other. So, um, you want to be able to work together in really stressful situations because there's nothing more stressful than, you know, putting your life savings and, you know, the ability of you to work with this person is basically going to determine how things are going to go. So 
a lot of people say avoid partners at all costs, but I don't totally agree with that. I, you know, I don't agree with that. You need to, you need to find, I mean, my position's changed since kind of working, uh, having a couple of partners for five years and then going separate ways and buying them out. I, I really think you want to bring someone on that's got a value added to what you're doing and you share a, a vision and goals and certainly you know that includes your work ethic you don't want I've, there's tons of stories of partnerships that have gone south and it's a lot of it is a miscommunication and a misunderstanding and well I thought we were I thought you were doing this and I thought you were doing that so you're going to want to define your roles your skills your your strengths and your weaknesses and you want to take stock of that and decide whether or not that's going to lead to a, a successful working relationship. And it, and it it should probably be careful if uh, if it's a friend. <laughs> and I wouldn't be the first person to say that. Be mindful of going into business with friends. Yeah, um, we've definitely been talking a lot about a specific clinic, a building foundation. Um, what did you think about the perspectives of uh, mobile physio? And um, since you've been able to be in that area for some time, what do you think uh, perspective of future growths are in that industry? So mobile is in uh, just kind of like a pop-up shop and setting up in different areas? That and uh, in-home. In home, you know that's a good question. Um, I think in home physiotherapy is we certainly provide those services. Um, you know, I'm friends with Adam Brown from uh, Therapia, and they've got a you know incredible business model of linking up therapy uh, clients with therapists in the community to provide in home stuff. I th I definitely think there's a place for that. Uh, especially in this day and age, uh, everybody's cutting back. So government programs, all hospital programs are totally different than they looked kind of, you know, almost 20 years ago when I graduated. It was every, when I graduated, every hospital had an outpatient program. Mm -hmm. And when you were discharged from the hospital, you just kept coming back in that outpatient program. Those days are gone. Mm -hmm. There's just no funding for those. So <clears throat> I think being able to... I think the successful businesses out there, and I'm obviously not the first to say this, are going to be ones that can use parts of a business model and skills of different industries. You guys had a great you had a great speaker session and lesson with Sanjeev and Sanjeev Bachchan, uh, Maggie Bergeron, you know, around mixing up different types of businesses and using those to complement your, you know, the Uber of physio. What, what can we take from Uber to link up with our physiotherapy services? You know, how can we use a relationship like that? Like what did, what did different companies do well? So I think the mobile stuff, there's, there's going to be a model for that. I think the challenge is, and I've been doing this, you know, I've been providing in-home physio um, since I, you know, since '02 when I graduated, there's a challenge to getting therapy in your home. There's, it's, it's a, I, I think there's a time and a place for it, but long term, it's, it's a challenge that therapeutic relationship in someone else's home. And exploring that issue further, um, in terms of pop-up shops, uh, what did you mean by that? Could you elaborate a little bit? Well, I mean, I, there's an opportunity. Um, we're going back to risk, so talking about risk. Um, if 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 you're relatively risk averse, whether you're growing your business or starting a new one, um, and you're worried about um, sinking capital and uh, you know and a commitment of a five year lease on a on a large office space or leasehold improvements to change a space for a clinic. Hey, go in and uh, you know, go in and rent space, sublease from somebody that's already there. Maybe they're physios, maybe they're not. Maybe there's something that can complement you. Complement you. You know, when I graduated in '02, uh, Good Life had not yet um, uh, 
developed any of their physio, any of their rehab or, or therapy within their um, gyms. And I remember I was working at Good Life as a personal trainer, kind of helping put myself through physio school. And I, and I thought, here's a great idea. When I graduate, like, all I need is a room. I've got a captive audience. This is this has been done many times, and, and, and the successful people are going to find that next one. Mm-hmm. So you just you just need to be ahead of the game on on what's going to go and how it's going to go, and make sure you you get in on it early. Okay. We got a couple of plans in mind. <laughs> I do. Yeah, yeah. We'll save those for we'll save those for another podcast. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely have a couple more episodes on that. <laughs> um, so, just a couple of wrap questions. Uh, sure. Thanks again for coming on. But uh, the we want we ask some of our guests some books they recommend that they've read, they've enjoyed, and um, we wanted to know if you recommend any books that could essentially help improve. Uh, someone's business acumen or learn a little bit more about business sure um uh, well i'll tell you one in particular that was maybe it wasn't a game changer but it certainly was helpful um timothy ferris the four hour work week everybody's heard of it yeah let's think of that one right now yeah (laughs) you know i got and and for, for me what that was it was you know there's a i try and there's a couple chapters in particular that resonated and that's more stuff I could feel it. It was right there. I just couldn't conceptualize it. And you read it and it's like, okay, here's where we are. And really getting the mindset, you know, the, the defers versus the new rich, you know, you, you need to, in this day and age, who's going to be able to retire at 60 with a, you know, the income you've got. Well, why would you, if you love what you're doing? Right, I love his concept of the kind of rolling retirement, taking four months off every year. Hey, when when you're you know you want to take advantage of downtime away from work when you're most physically uh, capable, why not do it now? Yeah. Totally agree, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. So I think Timothy Ferris, the four hour work week, was, yeah, he's got was a, couple a big of one for me. Yeah. Good stuff. Thanks so much. Uh, last question. Uh, we just wanted to see where we can find you on social media. Uh, how people can kind of get in touch with you. And uh, we've already mentioned the website at the beginning, again, www.propelphysiotherapy.com and uh, the social media accounts that you'd like us to. Yeah, well, share. you know, sure. Yeah, we're on um, our Facebook, uh, you know, just search Propel Physiotherapy. We've got a Facebook page and our Instagram is Propel Physiotherapy. My handle on Instagram is uh, personal slash business one. I'm Finbot, F-I-N-B-O-T. Um, and a good chunk of our colleagues uh, will be linked up with that on Instagram as well. You'll be able to find some of our therapists there. Great. Uh, so thank you for coming on. It was a pleasure. Very entertaining. And uh, we got some great pieces of advice from you as well. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much. Thank Have you. a great day. Thanks. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the PTBC podcast. Hope you enjoyed the episode today. Please check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at our website, ptbusinesscorner.com. Feel free to send us a message on social media or email us at info at ptbusinesscorner.com. See you next time. time.